Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. My name is Eric Nemchak, alongside Stephen Trinkwald, as always. We are continuing our 2021 WNBA team outlooks, rolling right along with the Washington Mystics. That's right. We started our outlooks with two teams that look to be pretty similar to last season. And then this is our second week in a row with uh, a team that should fare fairly differently, I think. Uh, the Mystics in 2020, they went 9-13 and 13. over the course of the regular season. They were That was good for the eighth seed. They just snuck into the playoffs there. They were also eighth in net rating at negative 2.1. They tied for the ninth best offense in the league at 100.1, and they were the seventh best defense in the league at 102.2. And then, of course, they lost in the first round to the five seed Phoenix Mercury. I think we all remember the amazing shot by Shea Petty. And this was, um, you know, just a, a team that was completely different than the one we saw the previous season. You know, coming off a title, they lost their two best offensive players, in my opinion, in Deladon and Tolliver. They lost two of their three, at least, best defensive players in Latoya Sanders and Natasha Cloud. They still started the season really great, though. Uh, started 3-0. and They finished the season great. Uh, finished the regular season 4-0. and But they lost 13 of their 15 games in between those two streaks, including losing 12 of 13 after that 3-0 start. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. The thing is, you know, after that 2019 championship that they won, I feel like from the start of the 2020 season, they were kind of written off before the season even started. And that's probably fair. I mean, when you lose, I mean, Deladon, Cloud, Sanders, and Tina Charles, who they traded for, all missed the season for various reasons. And they couldn't really replace them either because Deladon was actually not granted that medical waiver that she requested. So her salary was still being counted against the cap. So basically, not only were they not as good, they weren't as deep either. And when you're in the bubble situation, like when you're starting off um, with a depth disadvantage like that, I mean, injuries are going to happen, of course, but we've talked about this many times in the bubble teams were not really able to sign replacement players as quickly or as easily as they would like to. And that really hit the mystics hard. I mean, it's interesting because like they, they did get off to that strong three and zero start. I think it really showcased what good coaching and what good floor spacing can do. But then, you know, I mean, their, their lack of depth just caught up with them. I think if you sum, if you were to summarize the 2020 WNBA bubble experience with just one team, Washington would be that team because you had so many players sitting out. You had, um, you know, just a lack of depth catching up to, to, to teams. And also you had teams that started the season not really on an equal playing field. Like, for example, your Connecticut Sun started off terribly. And, you know, some, some players in the league were obviously, you know, not – their conditioning wasn't up to par. The Mystics looked ready to start the 2020 season. But then as the rest of the week kind of caught up and the Mystics got injured, you know, they weren't able to replace those players. And they really regressed to the mean pretty quickly, I would say. Yeah, and to build off your point about teams not being on equal playing fields to start the season, I think we all remember Washington just completely blitzing Indiana to start the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, Indiana having kind of a shorter training camp, arriving to the wobble later than everybody else and you know Washington looked ready to start the season and, and Indiana didn't and uh it, things kind of uh, never really regressed for Indiana but uh they did for Washington unfortunately for them you know the, the season of the Mystics uh, the story of the Mystics season rather I think it's funny you, normally you would look at a team that you know was without most of their core for for various reasons and kind of backed into the playoffs like the Mystics did and you would have thought, ah, oh, they should have just tanked. They should have just missed the playoffs or whatever. But 
the Mystics have no draft picks this year, so it doesn't really matter. I, I guess it was a good season for them anyway because um, we had the, the key development of Maisha Hines-Allen. Mike Tebow did mention I, – I forget who, who quoted this, so if, if you're listening, I, I, I don't cite you. I apologize. But he did mention that he sees Stella Johnson as kind of his 2021 draft pick de facto. So I would surmise that she'd have a big role on this, this coming team. Um, but it's, it's really wild, Stephen, because you, you have to kind of just throw out what happened this season because so many of these players are not there, and they're going to be getting well back. So how do you evaluate it? Uh, you have a, a tough time evaluating it, or at least I did. Um, but we can kind of get into it a little bit. Their overall outlook last year, offensively, they were not very good, as I mentioned, tied for ninth with Connecticut. They were not a team that was able to get out in the open court at all, which I think is a little bit surprising, even given the the roster of this team. They tied for the fourth lowest transition frequency, as well as being the fourth lowest in efficiency. They were 11th in terms of the proportion of their points that came in transition. So this was a team that I think even given the change of personnel, they were still very reliant on scoring from the outside much more than the inside. They were last in the league in terms of the proportion of shots within five feet, 11th in proportion of points coming from the paint. They finished with, they were top four in three-point attempt rate. They were third highest in proportion of points coming from three. So uh, they, they never got to the line at all. Um, so still very much like a, a jump shot reliant, three-point reliant team, even though they lost you know, some of their best options from, from behind the arc, you know, from the previous season. When I was looking at these numbers, I, I found something interesting. The Mystics ran a ton of pick and pop. When you, when you look at the talent on the roster, that's probably not really a surprise, but look at this. Um, Emma Mieseman ranked first in the entire WNBA in total pick and pop possessions. Maisha Heinzellen ranked fourth and Tiana Hawkins ranked 12th. Granted, it's not really a huge sample size because I guess that's just not something WNBA teams do um, often. But as far as the total portion of your offense, the Mystics ran it a ton. So maybe there is some room for like some jump shooting variance there. I don't, I don't know. But I think we, prior to this season, we, we kind of surmised that, yeah, I think this is, they're going to run a lot of pick and pop with their front court options. And, and that's what they did. And if you remember coming into the season, we had talked about for the 2019 season, their championship team, uh, Misamin, Deladon, and Latoya Sanders were the first, second, and fourth best players in terms of pick and pop efficiency. So yeah. it's definitely something that that they want to be doing pretty frequently. And none of those players had like super high volume, but the three of them combined for like 110 possessions. So you know, pick and pops uh, with their their bigs, and obviously that might change a little bit um, with this set of of bigs that they have. Particularly, you know, you you mentioned the uh, frequency that Maisha Hines-Allen was involved in that. Um, what you didn't mention was she was, what, the in the ninth percentile? She wasn't good. Yeah, it, it did not go well as a pick-and-pop player for Hines-Allen. Uh, Tina Charles, you know, it's something that she does pretty frequently to very little effectiveness as well. Um, so we'll see if those looks are able to cause, like, better efficiency. But, but we've seen those players take those shots, and they haven't gone very well. So I, I guess we'll kind of see how that, that goes for them. I mean, it remains to be seen. But we expect Deladon to at least still be really solid there. I guess, you know, overall, what, what the numbers that we kind of ran through indicate is that, you know, the system was still kind of operating as it normally would, generating a ton of threes, generating a ton of pick-and-pop looks, generating a ton of movement. They had a pretty good assist percentage. I think they were third in the percentage of their field goals made that were assisted so you know the the ball movement the body movement was still 
really solid for this team and for this system. And you mentioned the good coaching that they have, you know, they just didn't really have the talent to kind of finish those plays off a lot of times. So what, what you look at this mystics team, what stands out to you? Because I, I, I kind of say it was maybe, I don't want to say a throwaway season, but it is hard to evaluate something like that. What's the first thing that really sticks out about this 2020 team as a whole? I mean, so little, to be honest with you, it, it's Maisha Hines Allen, Maisha Hines Allen's, that's a tough one with the S at the end of both. Um, Maisha Hines Allen's uh, breakout season for sure. I think one thing that's interesting to me is, you know, Misaman's role in this offense and it remains to be seen how much she'll contribute to the 2021 team. But, and then, you know, I guess what, what sticks out to me is that they had four really good players, right? Um, and those four players together were pretty good. Their four player combo of, of Leilani Mitchell, of Ariel Atkins, Heinz Allen, Misaman, they had a 10.1 net rating with those four players on the court together. And, you know, that was a lot higher before the Ariel Powers injury, uh, granted. But even after the Powers injury, that was still a lineup that generated a 2.3 net rating, those four players together. So um, they were still able to be pretty productive with their four good players on the court. And then pretty much in all other circumstances, uh, it did not go very well for them. So, and, and the team overall, uh, after the Powers injury, had a negative 5.3 net rating. So, plus 2.3 with those four players on the court, negative 5.3 overall. So, it just kind of paints the picture of uh, once Powers went down, how little depth this team had. Um, and those four players still played about 45%. You know, those four players together still played about 45% of the team's total minutes to that point. So, I, I think it really just illustrates the lack of depth that they have when pretty much every other combination that they ran out there, you know, did not go well. I think, I think that aerial powers injury kind of was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back proverbially because she played really well to start the season. We, we, we expected her to be kind of the head honcho of the offense when she was out there. And, and she was, she was the main um, dribble penetrator on this team. And given the amount, given the emphasis that the mystics placed on floor spacing, she was really able to get to the rim pretty easily, draw a lot of fouls, and really impose her will physically on these smaller or, or, or not as strong uh, wing players. But when she went down, I mean, it was just a struggle bus out there. Well, one thing I'll say is she was the main dribble penetrator, at least looking for her own offense, right? I think Leilani Mitchell is sure. someone who can kind of get to the basket, but she's more, you know, looking to get to the rim to kind of set something up, something up for someone else. Sorry. But yeah, to your point, like there was really not a ton of other guard options that they had or, or perimeter options that are going to get all the way to the front of the rim and score from there. Um, although, as I'll get to uh, maybe later on in the show, I, I did think Mitchell's season scoring from inside was, was, was a nice part of, of her season. Okay, so given that not many of the players who had large roles on last year's team are going to carry those roles over this year, do you want to kind of talk about Maisha Hines-Allen a bit? Because she had this breakout season. Um, I think we were, we were both a little low on her, to say the least, heading into the season. But she really played well for the most part. Talk about her strengths and her weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, she was a really, really effective offensive player, right? 585 true shooting. That's awesome. Um, she shot the three ball very, very effectively, given only 61 attempts. But, you know, she made a, a really high amount of those 61. She was able to really put people in the goal uh, as a post-up player, 80th percentile out of the post. I think her, uh, her strengths as well, definitely, you know, the face-up game, she's able to really blow by 
Uh, you know, she has the quickness advantage over most fours and, and any four that I think she doesn't have the quickness advantage over, she has the strength advantage. An, an inside out scorer, you know, or a really solid finisher at the rim as well. We had talked about before, not really a great pick and roll player. Uh, ninth percentile as a pick and roll player, third percentile as a pick and pop player. So I guess I overrated her earlier in the show, uh, got my numbers mixed up a little bit, but you know, defensively a little bit more of a, a mixed bag. I texted you earlier in the week that uh, Allie Quigley had more blocks last year than uh, Maisha Heinz Allen, uh, five blocks on the season for Heinz Allen. I think it was a 0.7% block rate. She was a really, really outstanding defensive rebounder, which is, is great. She was third in the league in defensive rebound rate behind only Amanda Zowie B and Candace Parker. But, you know, defensively, I think it's a, a little bit more of a struggle for Heinz Allen, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I think you don't need to box shots to be a good defender, but it doesn't, she wasn't really on point in her help defense at all, really. Um, she seemed to get like kind of lost in space a little bit. And what, what I kind of wanted to, to talk about here with Heinz Allen is this disparity between, I mean, you said it, she was faster than a lot of front court players and stronger than a lot of front court players. And she was really good at the rim. So one, why was she so poor at getting to the line? And two, why was her pick and roll game so ineffective when she is such a good face-off player? Yeah, that first question, why has she not, been able to get the line a little bit better that's one i've been trying to figure out you know what i mean because like you watch her play and it's like a bull in a china shop you know so it's i find it very interesting that she was she draws she drew such few fouls yeah this is an arbitrary cutoff for sure but i wanted to kind of look at like what she was doing compared to other you know volume scorers and she had the second lowest free throw rate among the 18 players last season to average 15 points a game you know, that's, that means nothing really, uh, the 15 points a game or whatever, but just kind of wanted to see like, what are like other players that are scoring being a number one type option offensively? How, how are they getting to the line? And most of them are, we're getting there high, at a higher rate than Heinz Allen. And I, I can't quite put my finger on like why she isn't getting to the line more, you know, and it's not like, I think she avoids contact down low or anything like that. Um, you know, she does post up a fair amount and normally, you know, that can get you to the line a pretty decent amount. So I, I haven't, I've been trying to come up with an answer and I, I haven't been able to. All right. Just, just something to throw out there, but you talked about her defense. I mean, yeah, she doesn't block a lot of shots and she doesn't really provide any resistance at the rim. Heisel almost strikes me as like a power forward who wants to play like a small forward, you know, and, and she's got a great face up game and a, and, and a great spot up game. As you mentioned, she was really good shooting the three and she's quicker than most forwards, but Okay, so now she, we're looking at this year's team that we're expecting to compete. How does Heinz Allen fit into the equation? Well, we know this team wants to switch a lot. So, you know, I don't think she like, has to be a traditional pick-and-roll defender, you know what I mean, in terms of playing drop coverage. Like, they are going to be asked to switch more. But, you know, you still have to play help defense, and that was something I think was one of the biggest struggles for Heinz Allen as a front-court player. You know, I think she was okay as a switch defender, but, you know, how it fits into their defense, I think, ultimately is if Heinz Allen is out there with Elena Deladon, like you're probably just going with an all-offense lineup and putting as many good offensive players out there as possible and, you know, just hoping the other team can't keep up with you, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, we, I think we figured that was going to be their strategy last season. Um, didn't really work out. It's hard to have a good offense when you don't really have any players. 
But yeah, I mean, they're with, with bringing Deladon back, and this is why I think they're still going to be a contender. Uh, they 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 did bring in Alicia Clark. Unfortunately, she got injured. She's going to miss miss the season. Really terrible news. Um, but if you look at their talent, I mean, they're still going to have Deladon, who you said I believe you brought up this up in a previous episode. Like teams with Deladon on them have finished like no worse than third in offensive rating, or maybe it was fourth, something like that. Yeah, I I, I want to say it was fourth, but I can't recall. Okay, but I my, think there was my, one season where they were fourth and they were, you know, second or first or second every other year. Okay, well, yeah, my, my point my point stands. Uh, so you're, you're still going to have Deladon. You're still going to have Ariel Atkins, who we both love. Um, I'm, I think, a little higher on uh, how they'll be able to integrate Tina Charles than you are. But they are, they are going to still have great offensive players. Defensively, might be a little bit of a, an adventure because Latoya Sanders retired. We both love Latoya Sanders. We think she's a very underrated player and a great defensive player. Um, she retired a month after signing a one-year one extension, which is um, no comment on that. But anyway, uh, I think this team, like, when they won their championship in 2019, they were doing just enough switching to kind of maybe keep teams off balance. And, you know, they, they, did, what they, they did what they could with what they had, right? This season, I'm not so sure if they'll be able to – I don't know. What do you think the ceiling defensively is for this team? Well, I mean, the other thing about that team is it was maybe the greatest offense of all time. So, right, you know, right. you're, you didn't really have to do all that. I mean, they, they were good enough defensively and outstanding offensively. They're sealing defensively this year. I mean, I'm not saying that I don't believe in Tina Charles. I truly don't know what to expect from her. You know, she didn't play last year. Her last two seasons in New York on those terrible teams, like she was not really super engaged defensively. So it's not that I am counting on her being bad. Like I, I truly don't know. I have no idea what to expect. And the other thing is I don't know if they're even going to close games with Tina Charles or if they will close games with Deladon and Heinz Allen as the, the front court combination. So, uh, I mean, I guess we could just go through their, their rotation. They have cloud, they it. have Mitchell, they have Atkins and then, Deladon, Heinz, Allen, Charles, those are pretty much their, their top six, right? And you have some players who we'll see how the rest of the rotation fills out. You know, they have Erica McCall, they have Suge Sutton, Stella Johnson, Kira Leslie, Teresa Plaisance, Shavante Zellis they signed recently. You know, most of those other players are on training camp contracts. So uh, we're, we're not even really sure, I guess, who, like what the rotation is going to look like. But I mean, they, they have, let's call it six good players, uh, six proven good players, at least, with, you know, Cloud, Mitchell, Atkins, the two power forwards, and, and Tina Charles. So, like, do you think their best path closing games is with all three of those bigs closing and Mitchell sitting out? Do you think, you know, they should play Mitchell and Cloud together to close with two of Deladon, Heinz, Allen, Charles? Like, what what is the best path for, first of all, like, who do you think is the five best players of those six? Because they can only play five at a time, obviously. But who are their five best players, and how should they open and close games? Hmm, that's a good question. I think. Well, I think I don't think you're going to be able to get away with not playing Deladon at the three, at least a considerable amount during stretches, because they did have success with that the previous season or in 2019. But that was also with Misaman at the four, and I think we can both agree, especially after last season, Misaman is a is a better complementary player than she is a go-to player. Nothing wrong with that. But when you're replacing Miesemann with maybe Heinz Allen in the lineup, Heinz Allen had a good year, but I think Miesemann is still the better fit next to Deladon, at least 
offensively and probably defensively too. So if you're going with like a gigantic lineup, then you play like Atkins at the two, Claude at the one, you might have a little more hmm, defensive playmaking ability because you're not going to have to hide Leilani Mitchell. But at the same time, I'm, I'm just not sure if I want Maisha Heinzel in closing games because like her defense is that bad. And with, if you have both, you know, Heinz Allen and Charles in the front court on defense, I don't think you're going to be able to get away with that. I don't think you're going to be able to get enough stops. Would you agree with that or no? I think I gravitate more towards closing the game with Mitchell and closing the game with Deladon at center along with Heinz Allen and just going with as much offense as you can. You know, Deladon in the past has guarded centers defensively. Like she pretty much is a center in the playoffs against the best teams. Like she held up perfectly fine against John Quell Jones, who granted isn't the most physically imposing center. She held up really well against Asia Wilson the round before that. She's she's been the primary defender on Candace Parker in the playoffs. So I think the the matchups that really kind of scare you there with Deladon at the five and Obviously, you know, you don't want to do it over the course of a long regular season every single game. But I think the matchups that really scare you with Deladon at the five, you know, if you're Washington are, are few and far between. Obviously, you know, like a, a Liz Cambage, that, that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is that, you know, the, uh, the other end of the court is just going to be a matchup nightmare, obviously, for any center trying to guard Deladon. And if you have, you know, Heinz Allen, that doesn't make things much easier because she can space the floor as well. And and blow by a lot of those centers. So I think that's kind of how I would lean, but obviously it is going to be matchup dependent. And over the course of the regular season, like, yeah, I definitely do think Deladon is going to play a lot of three and and maybe even some playoff games, but I don't think that'll be the way that Tebow decides to like close the biggest games. Well, you know what I, you know what I like about this is that Natasha Cloud can cross match. And actually both Cloud and Atkins can guard three positions on the perimeter. So you can have Lilani Mitchell out there and like not really care because you can, you can hide her on defense. Right. And cloud and Atkins can do so much switching. I don't think many teams will be able to really take advantage of that. Yeah. Should we talk about Mitchell? Like what, what did you think of her? Yeah, go for it. Her first, I think yeah. Leilani Mitchell, um, two time, most improved player, very, very big, uh, award there. Um, she was, she was adequate. You know, I, I'm maybe not the biggest fan, but you know what you're getting out of Leilani Mitchell. And that's, Big time three point threat, um, and someone who can manage the game. She can, as you say, dribble penetrate, but she's not going to be looking to create her own shot off dribble penetration that often. But she's really good at like you know getting into the lane and probing the defense and being patient with the basketball. And I think last year on such a young team that was that was critical. This season, I think she's going to scale back her role, obviously, um, but that's okay because at this point in her career, I likely line Mitchell as a floor spacer and as a decision maker. If you can dribble, you can pass, and you can shoot, you're going you're gonna to have playing time on this team. Yeah, and as like a, more of a secondary option, like she'll probably always be on the court when Natasha Cloud is, is not on the floor. I would imagine. Like I don't – they shouldn't – Oh, yeah. T- as a backup point guard, I would love to have Leilani Mitchell, like no matter how old she is or no matter, no matter how – she has that game that just like doesn't age, you know? Yeah, and she was never going to recreate her her 2019 pick and roll numbers when she was like the best high volume pick and roll scorer in the league. Uh, that was just not not something that was going to be sustainable. But for me, it was really nice to see how she fit in as a screener in this offense. Like we've seen how effective uh, Natasha Cloud and Christy Tolliver have been as screening guards. 
getting others easy opportunities. And Mitchell, in, in my opinion, was just as effective as either of those players in that regard. You know, obviously doesn't have like the the gravity rushing to the three-point line after setting one of those screens as like a Christy Tolliver, but um, her willingness and her effectiveness there, I thought was very, very encouraging for me. The three-point shooting was down last year for Mitchell. I think it was, you know, one of her lower seasons, but the two-point scoring and two-point efficiency was way up for her career norms. And, and if you're asking me, like, given kind of the talent that this team should have and the floor space and that this team should have, like which one of those is, is more real. Like I imagine her three point shooting will come up more so than her two point scoring will go down. If that makes sense. Um, Granted, she did finish at the rim at a career high rate, her, her best finishing numbers in her career. She got there at a higher rate than, you know, the last few years. So I think it was maybe not the role anybody had in mind when Leilani Mitchell signed there, obviously being kind of the, the point guard, um, but you know, uh, it was a, it was a weird year, and and like you said, things would definitely scale back for her. But I was impressed with her season, and um, you know, I I still kind of believe that she is one of this team's best options. And I I don't know if she's one of the five best players necessarily, but I can see her being the best fit in in a five player lineup. If that makes right. sense. No, it makes total sense. I mean, it, because so many of your best players are either forwards or centers. You know, I mean, you, you can't play all those players at once, at least for the entire game. So, yeah, Leilani Mitchell. And, and, and the good news is uh, the other backcourt players, as I said, do complement Mitchell's game very well because you have a, a Swiss Army Knife defender in Cloud. You have another shooter in Atkins. So if, if, if Mitchell needs to be on the court, you don't, need to be, you don't really need to worry about teams taking advantage of, advantage of her defensively, especially given how much his team wants, wants to switch. So I, I do think she's going to have a considerable role it's not going to be the same as it was last season, but as we've been saying, what, what is going to be the same as last season, you know? So one other thing I wanted to talk about, you know, Elena Deladon, we expect her to be back this season, but you know, she's Elena Deladon. She's going to probably not play a, a ton of games. Uh, I mean, she, she might play every game, but she more often than not has, has missed some time. So we expect to see the combination of Heinz Allen and, and Charles playing together a ton. Like what, what do you think about those two players playing together specifically? Well, um, they're going to give up a lot of points, I think, but I don't think it's the worst fit in the world because with Tina Charles, like you don't want her floating around on the perimeter and you don't want her taking too many elbow jump shots. Right. If Heinz Allen is at the four and Charles is at the five, maybe you could encourage Charles to, you know, I know Tina Charles has said in the past, like, I don't want to play the five. I don't want to play the five. Well, guess what? You're playing the five on this team. Okay. So if she's playing the five and she's surrounded by shooters, like this team can, can put out there, I think she'll be okay. I, I actually don't hate that. I, th- I think you can optimize her. It's when Deladon is healthy and when she is um, playing lineups, playing lineups with Heinz Allen and Charles at the same time, that's when I kind of wonder what the floor spacing is going to look like. Because, you know, Deladon, she, she's really good at getting to the room and getting fouled. Charles is going to be occupying a lot of this space. And if she's not – then she's taken a lot of mid-range jump shots, and that's something that we both hate. Yeah, I mean, that element alone, when you combine that with, you know, the difference in defense, like, that's a downgrade from LaToya Sanders, frankly. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Sanders, one of the best mid-range shooters in the game, particularly for a center, but for anyone, really. And Miesemann, too. Yeah, You know, Miesemann had a down year last season, but every year prior to this, she was killing it from everywhere on the floor. Yeah, so... Again, I don't want to be too too low on Charles. I, I truly just don't know what to expect from her, you know, given the situation, you know, 
the last three years have been kind of just like throwaways, you know what I mean? So it's, it's tough to really know what you're going to get. But what, one thing I, I also wanted to ask regarding the rotation, you know, we, we talked about kind of their top six. Does anybody jump out to you in terms of like a, a high level contributor, like someone you're, you're pretty sure will be a positive contributor in the rotation outside of those six? Well, one thing, let me back up for just one second. You mentioned Tina Charles, her last few seasons being throwaways. I really don't want to underestimate the, the impact of coaching here because Tina Charles had her best, well, I don't want to say best, but she really came on uh, strong. She won her MVP award under Mike Tebow. She um, famously kind of, you know, stomped her feet and, and, and didn't really uh, put forth her best effort the year after Mike Tebow was fired from Connecticut. And then she eventually requested a trade after that. So we know she and Mike Tebow have a really good relationship. The past few seasons in New York, not really good for Tina Charles or anybody really. So and she's had a year off. That's I think is also critical. So if she's able to maybe kind of get healthy because she's had such massive usage ratings. And here's the other thing about like maybe her defense. I'm wondering if, if, if this defensive effort we're seeing or, or lack thereof um, from Charles the past few seasons, you know, I mean, she has such a high usage on offense. It really always has, but especially her, her later years in New York, I was wondering if she was just, you know, conserving her energy on defense. So maybe we see a, a reinvigorated Tina Charles. I think that's the best case scenario here. I don't expect her to be the, the beast she was that um, in like in 2016 and 2017 in New York, nor her, her glory days in Connecticut. But if she can, I do think she has a skill set to be a good complimentary player, though. So it's, once again, goes back on this coaching staff. Can you get the best out of what you're given? And I trust a Mike Tebow coaching staff a thousand percent in that regard. So getting back to your, your next question, which out of these six players can well, be- Well, hold on. A, Let me ask you a quick question okay, yeah, before that. Yeah. Over, under 28% usage this season for Tina Charles? Under. Okay. I mean, I think if that's the case, then, you know, it's going to be a, a good fit. I'm not, I, I'm not concerned about Tina Charles, you know, trying to take over the team because like I said, you know, she wants to play for Mike Tebow. She's had a year off, I think. And then look at, look at, she was, she was an unrestricted free agent technically. So if she wanted to be the player, she would have gone somewhere else. Like she was under no obligation to really resign here. Right. So I don't think, I think she will have a significant role. But if you've got Deladon on this team, you, you can't be you can't be usurping that. Is that what do you think? I agree with everything you said. It's just, you know, we'll see what it actually looks like. I mean, hopefully. Yeah, right. They have Deladon, they have Heinz Allen, they have other players that, that are gonna want the ball who are frankly, when was the last time Tina Charles played on a team like this? Like never. So I'm 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 giving them I'm giving all parties the benefit of a doubt. That's that's basically it in a nutshell. That's my take. Okay, so let's, um, let's get into the, the kind of back into the rotation here. Sure, sure. So I, 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 don't, I need to see what this backcourt looks like because in, in Cloud and Mitchell, you have two established veterans who can feasibly both play, you know, both guard positions. I do think they're going to give Stella Johnson a fairly large role, um, at least in managing the offense, although I think she's better suited as a scorer. You saw in Chicago, she didn't really get many reps last season for some reason which is interesting because I, I do like her game. I do think she's a pro uh, pro caliber player, but she is more of an off guard scoring the basketball. So I think she could be kind of brought in as a sixth woman or seventh woman type of player who is just out there to score. And then maybe Kiara Leslie, because I, I do like the archetype for her. I, I do like the size on, on the perimeter and the theoretical three point shooting. She was kind of hot and cold last season, but 
if you can, if she can stay healthy, I think her, uh, is it her knee or her foot or maybe it's her knee. It's kind of like medically red flagged. Uh, she missed her, 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 her initial season, what well, should have been her rookie season with an injury. So I think she can be a valuable contributor as well because she does give you that size in the perimeter. So if she can at least knock down a few shots and defend everywhere, that's pretty much what the Mystics want out of their, out of their wing players. So I think she can contribute as well. Is there anyone else you're looking at in particular? Because in, in the front court, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Well, I mean, what, right now they have Plaisance and McCall. Who, who do you like more for their fourth big? <sighs> Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> well, so they're big. I mean, Plaisance Charles- makes more sense, like, theoretically, right? Cause, because she can shoot. But I, I just think McCall's yeah, like, a better saw- player by now. Well, what happened with that in Connecticut? They traded for her to be a stretch big, and she, then she like she didn't even play. So I don't know. McCall, you know, I love her energy, and I think she, and she's the she's probably the the down and dirty type of player. She, she's out there to, to just to hit the glass and, and give you energy of, of the group. Um, I think Plaisance, in theory, is the better offensive fit, but I, she might just be cooked. I I, I don't know. After 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 the bad back injury and she never really came back after that, can she move? I, I mean, I don't. That's another question. And is there is there a player you would prefer? I because I I, th- I think I, I would go with McCall. I think I, McCall? I like McCall more, given you know the relative success that Elena Coates had last year as kind of their one paint bound player. You know, maybe McCall can replicate a little bit of that. And you know, I just think she's a little bit more reliable in terms of like what you're saying can give you high energy minutes for for however little she's out there uh you know plays on sure she can hit a shot but it's just it's been a while since we've seen her yeah. effective in in the WNBA. now that you mentioned I, I think every team could use a player like erica mccall just just to soak up minutes just to give that energy just just to keep your team in it you know she, she's not going to blow you away really on either end of the court but you know what you're getting out of her play you don't know what you're getting at this point in your career unfortunately so I guess I would go with McCall, but like you said, all these players are on training camp. Actually, no, McCall isn't, is she? No, McCall is actually, she's actually not on a training camp contract. No, she's unguaranteed, but it is for a little bit more. Slightly more, slightly more. Plaisance is training camp and you've got a lot of other uh, players here as well, but that in a, that in itself might be a hint as to who Tebow prefers, but because like Plaisance, like her skill set is kind of redundant on this team, I think. So yeah, I, I'd probably go with McCall. I mean, we're going a, a little bit out of order, I guess, here, but should we should we talk about what, what Misaman did last year? Like, uh, I know things were, I guess, not, yeah. not a great season for Misaman, and we're still not – I think it's expected that she's not going to come over, but then she kind of uh, refuted reporting that she wouldn't come over. So maybe, you know, she, she does make it for the – the tail end of the season, but I, there hasn't really been a, a contract signed yet. So, you know, like the, the mediums on, on, on which these are, by which these are reported are kind of, he said, she said sort of thing. So I, I don't really, I'm not, I don't really want to touch that, but you know, looking at her, her fellow countrymen, like uh, Julia Alamond is expected to miss the season. So both being from Belgium, uh, I would rule against it or I would bet against it rather. So yeah, I mean, Miesman last season, was a little disappointing to me because it seems like for her entire WNBA career, we've been saying, Miesman, you got to shoot. Emma, you got to shoot, 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 shoot the ball, shoot the ball. You're, you're better than you think you are. You need to be more aggressive. And when she finally did get that 
alpha role on offense. She just didn't shoot it as well, which for her is surprising. Because like I said before, she's been so consistently great from everywhere on the floor that seeing her just not be that efficient is was surprising. Maybe, you know, maybe her body just couldn't hold up in the bubble conditions. That, that might be uh, it too. But regardless, they're going to miss her. They're going to miss her a lot. I mean, because you remember the finals from, or the playoffs from 2019. Like, there, there just wasn't enough. There just weren't enough players to guard Misa and Deladon. Yeah, I think what we, what we learned last year was that she's, she's a really elite play finisher, right? And when the offensive responsibilities uh, are increased, you know, she, she, I think, served admirably in, in her increased playmaking responsibilities. But in terms of the scoring you know, those, those numbers were pretty much down across the board. Um, she couldn't quite score the ball as, as frequently, as, as efficiently. You know, this was pretty much her first season as like a below average three-point shooter. Since she started taking them, it was uh, her lowest two-point shooting of her career since her rookie season. It, it was good to see her assists really go up and, and stuff like that. And you, you saw the offense really kind of running through Emma Mieseman, but yeah, in terms but of the her, offense wasn't good. So like yeah, what? that's that's a great point. It was not a good offense. But yeah, they, they definitely will miss her as in terms of you know, just like I said, being an elite play finisher, like she was absolutely killing teams in the playoffs uh as a a pick and pop player. And you know, one other thing that that is just kind of like a I, I've probably said this on the show before, but it, it's really a bummer that, you know, since Deladon has come to Washington, we've only had one season where Deladon, Misamin, and Sanders were all on the roster at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, Sanders, I think, missed the, the first season, and then Misamin missed the second season, and then they won the championship, and then Deladon and Sanders both sat out. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a shame that we didn't get more of a, of, of a run from those three forwards slash centers who can, you know, really provide a versatile look in terms of, you know, what, what Sanders can do on defense and then the shooting the three of them provide. But, uh, but nevertheless, you know, I, I do think this team will – We'll miss Misamin, but you know, even if you just replaced Misamin with Deladon last year and nothing else on the, on the roster change, I, I think the team probably would have been a lot better. Oh, absolutely. I mean, where do you rank Deladon? And she's top two, right? Yeah, I think she's, you know, with maybe the best with offensive player. Yeah, right. Yeah, without a doubt. And that leads me into this question: Is this team a contender? I say yes. I think they probably still are. I, I wouldn't have them as the favorites, but I, th- I think they can still win a championship. But, you know, we, we really got to see something from Tina Charles. Like what she brings to this team, I think, is, is really going to be uh, a huge, you know, quote-unquote X factor. Ugh, I can't believe I just said that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Leilani Mitchell, she's going to be, what, 36 next season? So that's, that's you know, a, a pretty big question mark in its own right. Yeah, I mean, they have one of the best players in the league and a, and a player who uh, is one of the most unstoppable offensive forces there is. I think you can throw out some lineups that complement her pretty well. You know, the, 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 the lineup of Cloud, Mitchell Atkins, Heinz, Allen, Deladon, like that should be an unstoppable offensive lineup. Absolutely. You know, Deladon, the reason why I, I kind of segued into this, you talked last week about Asia Wilson being what was it undeniable? Is that what you said? Elena Deladon is also undeniable, at least on offense. Um, if she's healthy and if she's, if she's giving it her all, like no one's stopping her. So you, you can have bad floor space and you can have bad possessions or whatever. 
uh, Jaladon can still carry you. And we've seen her carry teams through the playoffs, carry teams through uh, two championships. Although, you know, Emma Miesma was, was great and a lot of players are great during that run. But my point is she's one of those few players in the league who can, who can just will her team to sustain success. So I can't count this team out as long as Deladon is healthy. And also, you know, they have a really good coaching staff, as I said. And are they clearly worse than anyone? Like, clearly. Are they clearly second tier? I mean, I think if you just look at the, the roster, I think they are maybe – they clearly have less roster talent than the Aces. But Sure. But what about I, diminishing returns, though? I think I've, I buy the diminishing returns for the Aces less than, than some other people. But we'll have to see. Like, we haven't seen Chelsea Gray – play with these other players. We haven't seen Angel McCautry play with Liz Cambage. So, you know, it's definitely a, a possibility there. One other thing about this team is that they just, they have so much less optionality than they did, like even just a couple of weeks ago, you know, with Clark going to be out for the season, with Sanders retiring, Miesemann likely not coming over. Like you had so many different things you could do with your lineup in terms of, uh, you know, you could shift Clark down to the four, even if you just wanted to play Clark at the three, you could go Cloud, Atkins, Clark, and you know, even if you had some questionable front court defenders, like those three were pretty much a, like a, a an insanely good defensive perimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, now you have to close with one of Charles or Maisha Hines Allen, which maybe is fine, but defensively, you know, you you could do better, right? So. That that is that is the biggest question I have about this team is defense. Uh, like looking up and down the roster, I really only see two plus defenders there, Cloud and Atkins, and both being on the perimeter. I'm not sure if that's enough. I mean, I think Deladon is a fine defender. Like she's not going to kill. She's not going to be the reason your defense is bad. I think she's she's better than she's she's better than she's given credit for. She's better than her reputation. But okay, and, and the other thing is, but well, here's I'll, the thing: she's not going to make up for the mistakes of. Right. other players so that's right 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 that's that's a good point um well she's 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 not an eraser out there so the other question i have about this team is just how are they going to look schematically because i i think with with, with deladon coming back a lot of people are going to be tempted to look at that 2019 team and say okay how does this team stack up against that team my answer is it doesn't because you lost a huge portion of your defense latoya sanders you lost a huge portion of your offense in Christy Tolliver, and you just don't have this wave after wave after wave of three-point shooting just making it rain out there, you know? So I, how, how are they going to adjust, and, and how do they best like optimize what they have now to still remain a, a factor? Yeah, I think the best option to do that is by, in at least in the highest leverage situations, going with Deladon at quote-unquote center, I guess essentially playing Deladon and Heinz Allen as your two front court players. I think that's that's the closest you can kind of replicate to an offense that, you know, can't be stopped. Um, you know, if Heinz Allen can, you know, replicate what she did last year, which maybe, maybe she can, maybe she can't, uh, you know, remains to be seen. But I think, you know, Charles for me is, is a little bit more of a situational closer. You know, you, you really got to go be going against a big who might kill you. And who knows if Charles is even the player to stop a player like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, with cloud, given her improved shooting and, and her dribble penetrating and her floor game, 
with, you know, the, the other backcourt shooting that you have with Mitchell and Atkins, Deladon and Heinz Allen obviously can give you a ton of floor spacing, get to get all the way to the rim from the perimeter. You know, Deladon obviously gets to the free throw line as well as anybody in the league. So to me, that's kind of their best option in just putting out an offense that people can't keep up with. Okay. Makes sense to me. Uh, now looking big picture here, I'm not going to say they're the favorite because I don't think they are the favorite. I, I do still think they are one of a few teams that could potentially win a title. Who do you think they match up really well against and, and who do you think they match up poorly against? Maybe Vegas they match up poorly against because of the front court. Are there any contenders that you, if you're the Mystics, you would want to see or you would rather see? I mean, I think they match up pretty well against Chicago. Mm-hmm. They have, I mean, Natasha Cloud is one of the best defenders at the point of attack. You also have Atkins, uh, who, you know, is a pretty good perimeter defender herself. Uh, I mentioned before that, you know, Deladon, I, I don't think a Candace Parker is going to kind of kill Deladon down low. You know what I mean? Like, she's she's a great rebounder, but she's not, you know, just going to put Deladon in the goal every single time. You match length with length there. Yeah. So I think, I think Chicago is a pretty good matchup for Washington. Uh, Minnesota, I, I also think Washington matches up pretty well against them. I mean, maybe they just have too many, maybe Minnesota just has too many wings and, and too many different ways you can kind of, uh, you know, they, they do have optionality that maybe Washington doesn't have anymore, but just on the surface, I think Washington, you know, matches up pretty well. What, what do you think about that one? I think that's the one I'm most interested to see because I, because Chicago, I agree. Uh, I think the Mystics match up well with Chicago. I think they match up poorly with Vegas, at least just given the front court, but Minnesota, I mean, Minnesota has such they, – they overturned their roster so much. I mean, they added so much in free agency that I, I just need to see what they're going to do. And, and so much of what, what, what happens with them is – and we can talk about this when we get to them, obviously. But so much of what, what, what determines what they're going to do is, is Sylvia Fowles healthy. And can she, can she still contribute at the level we're used to seeing her contribute at? Because if she is, that's, that's a problem. That's, that's a problem for anybody. But if she's not – I feel like you could kind of force the links into doing some things they don't really want to do, at least in high leverage situations. I guess the one other team that might, might be worth talking about, uh, you know, this team doesn't really have an answer for Brittany Griner. You know, I, I don't think Phoenix is going to be quite that level of team, uh, you know, but they do have Atkins and cloud to match up against the, the front court. I mean, I'm sorry to match up against the backcourt there, which, uh, you know, is maybe as, as good as you can ask for, but yeah, they, I don't see them being able to really stop Griner, but I, I also don't think Phoenix will get that far. Okay, well, that's that. Uh, anything else you kind of wanted to talk about here? I don't think so. We, we hit on it. It's a, it's a bummer that, you know, we're going to miss Alicia Clark this season. Um, yeah. That was, I think, one of the most surprising moves of the offseason and, and one thing that got a lot of people really, really excited about kind of what this team could look like. And um, it's too bad that we aren't going to be able to see it. Yeah. Big, uh, big favorite here at the double down, Alicia Clark. But like we've been saying, uh, the Mystics, I think, still have enough talent to maybe – you think they're, you think it's still a top-four team? I do. I do think they're, they'll be a top-four team. Okay. All right. Well, that is that. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Um, we are on what, – what are we on? We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. What's it called? Uh, we, we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcast Manager, I believe it's called. Okay. Now, and we are on Spotify. Spotify. Anywhere, anywhere podcasts can be found. We'll, we're there. Um, if you want to please, uh, if you want to subscribe to us, we'd really appreciate that. Leave a nice review or a not so nice review. That, that can happen too. 
Um, we're also on Twitter uh, at Double Down WNBA. Our personal accounts at Nemchak E at Trinkwald. So if you think we're wrong about something, you can yell at us there. Uh, but in the meantime, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you next week with another team outlook.